Hello, this is John Deeks and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. Well, they say there are two things that are guaranteed in life, taxes and death. Well, something like that anyway. We've spoken many times about taxes and wealth management and we've covered uh, a few other subjects but never talked about death and funerals. Well, on today's podcast, I'm joined by a funeral celebrant, Paul Daffy, to explain what a funeral celebrant does and how he navigates the highly emotional time that is a funeral. Uh, Paul, welcome to Your Life Choices. Uh, Thank you, John. Firstly, how does a sports writing journalist end up by being a funeral director? Uh, I came to it in a roundabout way. I wrote for newspapers and edited for newspapers. And when newspapers started going into decline, people like me lost their gigs. So I was a freelancer, mostly writing for The Age or editing for The Age in Melbourne. 2015, they said, look, we've run out of money for the likes of you. So most journalists my age were cast aside, basically, left to find new avenues of work. I've done several things. And then one day my mother, my mother has a lot of ideas, some of them good, others not. And this one was a, was a very good one. She said, why don't you um, approach Tobin's about doing obituaries? Because I've written a lot and mostly about li- people's life stories. Tobin said they don't want anyone to write obituaries, but they would like more male celebrants. So I did the course on celebrancy. I couldn't get my foot in the door, so I then became a funeral director. I was a funeral director for Jewbox and Lincoln Family Funerals for only 10 months. And then I thought, I'm going to be a celebrant now. It's a long way from being a journalist at the age to being a funeral director. Not many people could do it. It is a calling. I never thought of it as a calling. I did come to it from that aspect of I was interested in people's life stories. I'd never thought of being a funeral director. But then when I was offered, I thought, well, why not? And um, it suited me straight away. What range of responses do you get when you tell people what it is you do? There's horror or curiosity. And there tends to be, it doesn't tend to be much in between. The horror comes from people who just cannot fathom the notion of being around death. They tend to be happy people who just don't want anything or anyone to interrupt their happiness. And there's the others, the more soulful types, who consider the big questions of life. They're interested in what goes on around them and they're fascinated. So they ask you about it. And the happy people say, isn't morbid? And the other people, the more interested types will say what it's like. And I just say, no, it's not morbid at all. It's actually life affirming. You see people at their most raw, ironically, probably they're, they're at the most alive. I mean, to feel is to live. And it can be very funny. I mean, it's very black humour, but it can be very funny. So I find it absolutely life-affirming. I notice that every time I go to a funeral afterwards, it's quite the relief is there. And also people tend to have these wonderful reminiscences of, of the person who's passed. And it, 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 as you say, it's affirming. Yes, it is. I mean, I consider most things a platform for storytelling. It's mm. one basic fact and off you go. And funerals are a classic like that. It's gathered together and, and tell stories afterwards. So there is a relief in that sense. There's a range of emotions which are possible. You see all of them on show, but they tend to be life-affirming. No two funerals are the same, even though the result is. There's a little difference in all of them, that's right, <laughs> apart from the end piece. Paul, what attributes do you need to conduct a funeral service? Look, I think the approaches to funerals is changing in the general population. How so? People die older now. But my perception is there's less sadness because people are living longer and it's more a celebration. That's one of the reasons it's more a celebration because life expectancy is longer. You know, you've had a, you've had a long life and there's less focus on the, the religious aspect, I suppose. I mean, I grew up in the Catholic Church and there's a lot of damnation. And, and whether you go to heaven or hell, there's much less of that now. So the celebration aspect comes in there. There's less foreboding to death. Hell is not what it used to be. <laughs> 
probably probably never was really, but um, it'd be better to go to heaven. So I didn't mean to downplay death. I mean, death is final. It's it affects everybody. Some people get emotional, but just as a broad in a broad scope, there's fewer people get emotional now. But yeah, some people, everyone gets emotional around a death, depending on how close you are to the person who died. But they bring up a range of emotions. And some of them are recalling the good times. So it, I suppose I like the rawness of it. Um, you see people at their best and sometimes their worst. How do you lead people through the process of a funeral, Paul? I just lay out what, what we need to do in this particular session. So as a director, there's a lot of paperwork. Like it's Dying is a very administrative process, um, which is not my strength. I was better at dealing with people's life stories and arranging exactly what they wanted to do for their loved one who's died. So as a director, I'm here to organise the, the bones of the funeral and to get the papers signed so, we, so that we can go ahead. Yeah, the administrative side is very important. I mean, you hear so many stories about widows or widowers receiving communications from businesses, even though that person has passed. Have you heard those sort of stories? I have, but not so often, but it does happen where banks just keep charging interest and, and what have you because no one's closed the account. Or as a funeral director, you do give people a list of this is this is who you should contact. So the first one is the CS. Forget the uh, I forget the uh, acronym. The CS, and they will pay one more month. And after that, if you don't cut off the account, and they end up paying for more, you are liable to pay everything back but one month. And the process goes from there, where you the CS lets as many people know, or as many organisations know, it's got details for, which is a lot. So they basically take care of it for you if you let the CES know. And then beyond that, there might be specialty things where it is up to you to let them know. I've, I've never heard too many tales of woe, but you do hear them. Um, you hear more so the tales of um, wills being contested by family. Well, where there's a will, there's a relative, mate. <laughs> That's another saying you've come up with. It's, it's true, though. That, that, that does happen far too often. It's amazing, but there are a lot of families divided, which are forced to come together because you know, two siblings don't speak to each other, but their father's died and um, they haven't spoken to each other for 20 years. It's also amazing how something with, with the gravity of death, it does galvanise people. They become civil. For, they pull together for the purposes of, of getting this funeral service together. You hear the phrase, dying with dignity. People don't say that phrase to themselves, but there's something innate that you want everyone to die with dignity and the people around them must act with dignity. That phrase is unspoken, but it is almost always the case. So people do pull themselves together. To their credit, they might have good reason for not speaking to each other, but they also find reason to come together. At a funeral, do you find sometimes people will sit either side, like at a wedding? You do. Sometimes it's tense. There is divided families, but most of them are okay with coming together. Generally, it's not. People enter it into the right spirit. It's one thing to conduct a service for someone who's lived a long and hopefully fruitful life, but it must be horrific to have to conduct a service for a, an infant or a baby. Have you ever had to do that, Paul? No, I haven't. My first job was with Australian Pensioner Funerals. So as the name would suggest, it was people over a certain age. So there are some people who specialise in infant deaths. That would be a calling. You mentioned the word calling before. It would take a calling to do that. It would be very rewarding. You're helping people through the absolute depths of grief in that situation. But no, I've never been involved with a child. The, the youngest I've been involved with would be 55, which is not very young. I'm 57, so the person was younger than me. I thought, gee. The cost of a funeral poor could be a major burden on those left behind. Is it really expensive? The cheapest funeral service with a cremation would be about $3,000. It's changing a little bit now in that the internet changes the distribution of everything. In this case, it is changing the distribution of dead people. 
Sorry, what do you mean? We well, don't have to have a funeral service. You never, you have, don't have to be involved with anyone. You can book a cremation online, and there's a company in Melbourne. They might be national, but I know they certainly work in Melbourne. Who will go to wherever it is to collect the coffin? They'll take the the body basically to a crematorium, usually on the Murray River, for political reasons. In Victoria, there's no such thing as a as a, a privately owned crematorium. So there's ten public crematoriums. In New South Wales, there can be private crematoriums. So the bigger Victorian companies have crematoriums along the river. So Tobin's have got one in Moama. Four or five have got one in Mawala on the other side of Yarrawonga. So this, these online ones, they dispatch the dead person to a crematorium in Mawala, I think, and that costs about $1,800. You're not going to get any cheaper than that. How tough was it, Paul, for you personally and emotionally when you started out doing funerals? But when I started... I cried for the first three funerals. Like I was just helping out, observing at that early stage. I thought, geez, if this goes on, like they, they all got to me. These tales of people, the, the person who had died and, the, and how the family was um, you know, obviously in grief and somewhat emotional. I thought, geez, I'm, I'm not going to last if I'm sucking through every funeral. But then on the third one, it was at Faulkner. At, at, you know, the, the chapels there are non-denominational. A lot of non-denominational funerals are cremations. In Melbourne, a lot of them end with an AFL football club theme song. This particular guy, Barrett for North Melbourne, and he wanted that as his uh, recessional song, which means that the song at the end. And it didn't go for very long. I don't know what version they got. And by the time the, the coffin was lowered, and they had a short version of North Melbourne theme song, and they, they ended up playing it three times because the coffin was taking a while to go down. I thought, geez, they're playing the song more times than North Melbourne won games this year. So that, that, that sort of tickled my fancy if no one else's. When the coffin's been laid out, have you ever had a... (laughs) (laughs) Not as yet. That that, that story, there was a story from Peru or something six months ago, but um, no, no, it hasn't happened. No, No, we haven't gone back to where they used to, in the olden days, have a a string attached to a bell, and once the person was buried, they could uh, pull the string if they they woke up. That was back in the, oh, I don't know, when the the plague was on or something. (laughs) It's fair enough to ask, but no, I haven't uh, experienced that at all. Okay, just to wrap this up, uh, Paul Daffy, I want to know, what are some of the key things that people can do while they're alive to prepare for the inevitable? Some people just don't want to know, and say, when I'm dead, it doesn't matter. But there are things, like doing a will, there are things that one can do beforehand so wishes are respected. Yes, it's becoming more and more common. As our, we mentioned cremations, like they were very uncommon. Now it's about 55, 45. It's now becoming more common as well to do what in the industry is called a pre-arrange, which basically means you arrange your funeral, your own funeral as much as you can before you die. I know my parents have done that, uh, made it easier when my father died, which is about four years ago. So your parents had organised a prepaid funeral. That's exactly what happens. And you pay for it up front as well. So the impost of coming up with the money for a funeral, which as you mentioned before, can be substantial, it's paid for. So that takes a load off the family, generally off their children or grandchildren. And they get to organise not everything, but um, the burial or cremation, just those basic things. So it is becoming more and more common, as, I suppose, as people are living longer as well, to do what they call a prearrange. Yeah, at least let your wishes be known. In Western culture, there's very little historically spoken about death. I know I, I can't I had four grandparents until I was 27. The, the word death was barely mentioned, and I certainly never thought of it. In, ancient, in more ancient cultures, it's, it's mentioned every day. It, it is part of life, and it helps you live more fully. It's a real, I mean, it's, as you said, death and taxes. It's inevitable that we all die. That's the one thing that unites us. But it's never spoken about in Western cultures. 
I think it is being spoken about more. You still get people who say, I don't want to talk about dying. But now that people are more open to a lot of things in conversation. And one of them is dying. Sometimes the children will sit down. Now, what do you want to do when, when you die? Do you want to be cremated or buried? And it's quite unusual now for people to say, I don't want to talk about it. Most people will talk about it. Uh, so that's another aspect of society which is changing. And in, in Western society, it, it's a change very much for the good to speak about death because it, may, it helps you live more fully. If you'd like to know more, uh, this is not a paid spot. I just want to give Paul uh, a wrap because uh, he's been so kind to come in and talk to us today. Paul Daffy, D-A-F-F-E-Y. If you go to pauldaffeyfunerals.com.au, that's uh, P-A-U-L-D-A-F-F-E-Y, funerals.com.au, and you'll find more information on his website. Paul, is there any reading material you could recommend? I've just ordered the book and I'm about to read it, but a guy called Stephen Jenkinson, so Stephen, S-T-E-P-H, Ian Jenkinson. He's a Canadian guy. He's become something of an authority on death. The name of his book is Dying Well. So it's just your approach to death. Basically, live your life as fully as possible. I've just started following his newsletter. Can I read out a paragraph, which is relevant? Uh, Someone sent me a kind of psychic get well card a while ago. The text inside included the following bit of intolerance. You don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. Honey, listen, it's more like this. You'll get old or you won't. If you don't, it's because you died before the second act came around. Simple. Old isn't just a number. Old is real. The way birth is real. Count on that. So old isn't a failure of the will. It is, if you are standing in life's way, what stymies and softens and sends your will out for donuts so you can take up the work of elderhood. Oh, that's good. As I said to my doctor the other day, I'm getting old. He said, no, no, you're getting older. Well, that's, that's true. Paul, thank you so much for being so open and honest about this very delicate subject. I hope you live a long and happy life, and I hope it's a long time till I see you again. (laughs) Good on you. Thanks, John. And you can find out more on Paul Daffy's website, pauldaffyfunerals.com.au. We thank Paul for coming in and talking about this really important subject, and I hope you found it interesting. And until next time we meet, this is John Deek saying thank you for joining us on this Your Life Choices podcast. 